And it's great to be in the Lord's house worshiping with you together today as we sing his praises. I want to invite uh, Brother Carl to come at this time. don't know how much of a, a big introduction they gave you last week. Um, I don't know that a big introduction is needed. Probably most of you know Brother Carl Garvin and his wife, uh, Kay. You said the sage of the ages. The sage of the ages. I don't know about that, but uh, if he puts it on his bio, we'll go with it, okay? We're so uh, privileged to have Brother Carl back. And, and again, I, I talked to him a couple of weeks ago, ran into him at a feed store, and, and uh, just talked about needing to refocus on missions, invited him to come and uh, share some things. Uh, him and Miss Kay, of course, uh, have a lot of experience on the mission field, and I thought it uh, would be a great time for us as we're leading in especially to our Lottie Moon Christmas offering, trying to think about uh, supporting and being a, uh, some part of the uh, Great Commission. And so I invited them to come. So, Brother Carl, share what's on your heart. Thank you for being here. Right. Thank you. Here we go. It's uh, good to be with you again. I know last Sunday I was looking out over this congregation, and many of you uh, I know, and uh, the only thing that I recognize that most of you got older. <laughs> I'm sure I did not, and uh, the only one that has not gotten any older, and I told her so, is uh, Sister Janice Younger. She's always younger, and uh, Brother Sean, you may not know, there's some history in that family uh, with me all the way back to Louisiana. Uh, I was serving with the 528th Engineers, Combat Engineers, and uh, there was a, a young lieutenant that was also serving there as well. And when I came here to pastor 34 years or some odd go, uh, years ago, uh, Brother Bill Younger was telling me things about me that he should not have been able to know. And it comes to find out that uh, Kurt up here was uh, that young lieutenant uh, from the 528th Engineers, uh, Combat Engineers. And we were stationed in Monroe, Louisiana, but you were up at Oak Grove or Dell High. Where were you? Park? West Monroe. Okay. On the other side. We don't claim West Monroe. Uh, but anyway, uh, so good to, to have you helping me out and doing all the things that I should be doing. I told Brother Sean that I retired the first of last month, and I have been busier than I ever have been, seems like, in my life. And last week was a very uh, busy week. It started out busy, and I told my wife in the early week, I said, sure am glad I got Sunday's message almost finished for First Baptist Church Valley Springs. Uh, well, just about midweek, the Holy Spirit kindly tapped me on the shoulder and said, that's not the message. And uh, I, I said, Lord, you really know what you're doing. I said, the first part of the week's busy. Kay's having surgery on the end part of the week. And you're telling me that I'm going to have to start all over again. So this message is fresh off the press. Might say the ink is still dry on it. So uh, with that in mind, let's go to the scriptural foundation for this message coming out of Philippians we'll be reading several passages and I'll be bouncing back and forth but Philippians this is Paul's letter to that church and in chapter 1 beginning with verse 3 I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine making request for you with all joy for your fellowship 
in the gospel from this day until now. Now turn over to chapter 2, and we'll read the closing verses there, beginning with verse 25. Yet I consider it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, but your messenger and the one who ministered to my need. Since he was longing for you all and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick almost unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, or on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I sent him the more eagerly that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less sorrowful. Receive him, therefore, in the Lord with all the gladness and hold such men in esteem because for the work of Christ he came close to death, not regarding his life to supply what was lacking in your service toward me. Now let's go over to the closing chapter, chapter 4, pick up reading with verse 15. Now you Philippians, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church served or shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed. I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this is a beautiful letter that a missionary wrote to a beloved church. And I pray today that you will unfold the scriptures that we have read and through the power of the Holy Spirit stir our hearts and stir our minds. Lord, for your glory, give me clarity of speech, clarity of mind to present your word with the power and truth that is required. We ask this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen and amen. The title of today's message is A Mission-Minded Church. Now, what does a mission-minded church look like? Well, certainly, it looks like a great commission church. Going, making disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and making uh, disciples of those, are teaching those new disciples to observe all the things that Jesus Christ has commanded. 
But today, I want us to look at a mission-minded church through the eyes of a missionary. And this letter that the missionary Paul wrote to that church in Philippi will give us a very good look at how a missionary sees a mission-minded church. From Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, we can gather that a missionary sees a mission-minded church as one in an ongoing fellowship, an ongoing partnership in the gospel. Brother Sean, I like to look at this fellowship, also translated a partnership as fellows in the same ship, our partners in the same ship. Churches and missionaries should have the same goal in mind. They should be in the same ship, so to speak, and that is to be spreading the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A mission-minded church will not trade the salvational gospel for a social gospel. Now, don't get me wrong there. We are to be involved in some social needs, but we never, never, a mission-minded church never trades the salvational gospel message for a social gospel. And a mission-minded church is a lifeboat out on the sea of life rescuing the perishing through the eyes of a missionary. The missionary sees a mission-minded church as partners together in sharing the glorious gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. As we look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 4, there you will note that the Apostle Paul prayed for the church at Philippi. But let's move down to verse 19. Paul knew that that church was also praying for him. Let me read that. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to remember the Apostle Paul was not in a very comfortable position at this time. He was in prison. And as he wrote this letter, he was not yet sure what the verdict was going to be. He was not yet sure whether the sentence would be a death sentence or let him go. The Apostle Paul needed and desired and wanted that church at Philippi to be praying for him. The missionary needed the church to pray for him. I can assure you that missionaries do desire. They do want. They do need your prayers. And from experience, I can tell you how you can move from, from superficial praying for missionaries like, Lord, bless our missionaries. Amen. To a more specific way to pray for missionaries. Keep your eyes and your ears open. What economic crisis? What war? 
What natural disaster is going on in some country? Well, more than likely, you have missionaries there. And they're not just standing by watching that. They're involved in all of that. And also, get acquainted with your missionaries. Seek missionary newsletters. Read those newsletters. You will find that there are many ways to specifically pray for missionaries as you open their newsletters. Kay, this morning, was listening through some kind of device to the gay hearts. You know the gay hearts in Indonesia. How they were celebrating what God was doing and how they were asking for specific prayer for a certain man that had a control of a village to have his heart softened and accept the gospel of Jesus Christ because he's such an influential man there. Get in touch with missionaries. On a personal basis, you will learn many of the prayers or many ways to pray for them specifically. And then there are the common needs for nearly every missionary. There's the family stress. There's the departure that families make. Not only departures from here, but also departures are on their field from their own children. How many of you that have six, seven, eight-year-old children would like to send them off to boarding school and only see them twice a year? It does happen. Our missionaries, you may not know them by name, but when you're praying specifically for missionaries, just say, Lord, I know that there are some missionary families right now whose hearts are breaking because they're having to send their children off to a boarding school. They may not see them, but once or twice a year. And then there's times that missionaries have crises in their families back here. And we need to pray for them. When you hear that a parent here has a child on the mission field and something is going on within that parental family there, that, that missionary's parent's family, pray for them. Because oftentimes that missionary cannot leave the field and come here. I know missionaries that have had to stay on the field and not be able to attend their mom and dad's funeral. Pray for them. They're not serving in easy places. They're carrying the light of the gospel into dark places and sometimes very dark places. And they're having to learn a new culture. They're having to learn different languages. And you might say, well, I know missionaries have been on the field 30 years. They all know the language quite well. If it is not your heart language, it's always a learning language. You're always having to learn something. Your missionaries need your prayers. They need to know that you're praying for them. A missionary, a mission-minded church, I should say, will seek out ways to specifically pray for missionaries. Through the eyes of a missionary, a missionary knows that a mission-minded church has his back in prayer. He's not out there alone. He knows that that rope of prayer is connected to him. Now, 
as we turn to Philippians chapter 4, we're going to come back and catch Philippians 2 a little bit later, but let's bounce all the way to Philippians chapter 4, verses 15 through 19, and we can gather through a missionary, or that a missionary sees a mission-minded church as one who not only has his back in prayer, but also has his back in financial support. Now, don't go grabbing your wallets and putting a death squeeze on them. But when you send missionaries, and you do send missionaries when you cooperate together and send missionaries through our sending agency, which is called the International Mission Board, you are supporting them. And I can assure you that the dollars that you give are not wasted dollars. From your sending agency to the missionary on the field, there is an accountability. Kay and I had to give an account of every dollar that we spent that you give. You can give knowing that your financial support will be carefully and wisely used in order to carry out the missionary to carry out the call that God has placed upon his heart in that international field. And just for a few moments, let me, let me kind of share with you how your giving helped Kay and I. It not only sent us on the mission field, it not only supplied our needs while we were on the mission field, so to speak, where we could do our ministries but on the night that Kay and I were attacked in that little village, Numbaya Mungu, your giving provided us a vehicle that became our ambulance that night. The first hospital we got to that did not even have pain medication for my wife and a Muslim doctor had to go to his clinic to get it. The question was asked in that hospital emergency room, who's going to pay this bill? And we had some British friends there from another mission sending agency. And they said, you don't have to worry about these people who's going to pay their bill. You paid that bill because you gave. And we received the best care imaginable. Your giving helped bring us back home for that six weeks of healing that we so desperately needed. Your giving helped send us back to the field and we stayed there eight months and during eight, eight months because you gave and sent us back there, eight mice I accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now that makes chill bumps run up and down my spine. Your giving is very important. Missionaries need to know that you have their financial Backs. And let me add also that as you give, you're supporting over 3,800 international missionaries. Kim, you were once a missionary, were you not? Kind of halfway. You know, this is the first time since the 1980s that this number of missionaries has, that we're supporting has fallen below 4,000. When Kay and I were appointed, it was 5,000 on the field. Now, one reason it is so low is because about 1,000 retired, took an early retirement. But remember, of these 38, over 3,800 
missionaries on the international field. They are your missionaries. They're not somebody else's missionaries. They're your missionaries because you are helping to support them. They're not knocking on somebody's door and said, would you give me enough money to go over there raising support? That's all right. Kay and I are with the organization now that that happens. But let me tell you that your giving sins and that missionary don't have to worry about leaving the field, coming back, raising deputation dollars again in order to go back on the field to work. You keep your missionaries on the field doing their works. But as Paul points out, there's more to the story than just having the back of the missionary in finances. When a mission-minded church gives to support missionaries, that church is also blessed. Look at verse 17. Fruit that abounds to your account. You faithfully give to missions, God's going to faithfully pay back. And oftentimes that's just treasures in heaven. I guarantee you, when you get to heaven, some <laughs> my side jumping about this tall, white guys can't jump. I'm not even going to attempt to do it. It's going to come to you and say, thank you for sending the Garvins to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now I'm jumping for joy <laughs> this high. You're going to be blessed when you get to heaven. You don't even realize how blessed you're going to be rewarded. But also, when you give, it's an act of worship. Look at verse 18. A sweet-smelling aroma. An acceptable sacrifice. Well-pleasing unto God. That's all acts of worship. Read the Old Testament. The sacrificial offerings. The Apostle Paul is just bringing that forward to the church. Giving to him is an act of worship. And God knows how to pay back. Look at verse 19. God will give increase in proportion to his infinite riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many of you have ever outgiven God? See, too many hands go up. None of us, not a one of us can outgive God. Through the eyes of a missionary, a missionary knows that a mission-minded church has his or her back, financial back. Now, let us turn back to Philippians chapter 2, verses 25 through 30. Hopefully y'all are bearing with me. Judy White has already let it be known that when I was the pastor here, we didn't have a clock on the back wall. We had a calendar. <laughs> Bless your heart, Judy. <clears throat> but Philippians chapter 2, verse 25 through 30. We can see that a mission-minded church is a sending church. And here the emphasis not, is not on sending long-term missionaries, but from time to time sending others short-term 
in order to help the missionary do a work. Some may say, well, man, we send our dollars. Why do we have to send others? Can I tell you that there's time when the Lord wants flesh wrapped around those dollars? And there are times when human hands, fleshly hands, can do what dollars cannot do. It's important. The whole church at Philippi could not go. That's why Apostle Paul is saying in verse 30, what was lacking on your part. It was not that, they, that Paul was chastising them for not doing something. He was just letting him be known, hey, look, I know that the whole church can't come here to help me. But he knew that the church could and send and did send someone, and that someone was Epaphroditus. He was the one that we nowadays call a vim, a volunteer in missions. He didn't spend years with the Apostle Paul, but he was able to disrupt his life for a short period of time in order to help supply the Apostle Paul with some of his needs or help the Apostle Paul in some of his needs. Now, what are some needs that volunteers in missions can help a missionary do? I'm going to give you a short list. Prayer walking. Anybody ever gone on prayer walking? Yeah, I see some hands go up. Prayer walking. You know, sometimes missionaries say, I want to go to this village to start a new gospel work, but I need prayer walkers to go through that village and bathe it in prayer before I get there. Didn't Jesus Christ kind of do that in sending 70 out two by two by two into the different villages to prepare the way before him? So missionaries like to have prayer walkers but they also like to have medical teams well digging teams as well as construction teams why don't they have someone to build well maybe if you've ever seen some of their structures you say, uh -uh. but these are ways that opens the door to present the gospel Medical teams are a good way to open the door because people flock from who knows where. Coming to those. And also, missionaries need short-term teachers. Kay went to synagogue right after we come back from Africa to teach a 13-year-old girl who needed some extra help with her schooling. But missionaries also need some financial counseling. And missionaries are always needing someone who can disciple the new disciples that are coming to Jesus Christ. Now, I want you all to bear with me just a minute here, and we'll pull the calendar down. But if you have ever followed me on a volunteering mission trip, would you stand up? Come on, don't be coy. Ernie, you followed me once upon a time. Mr. Bell, <laughs> you can stand up too. Kay, what did you do to help the missionary? Rock the babies. 
colored with little children in temperatures so hot that the color crayons were melting and being a tutor. Y'all sat, please stand up. My goodness gracious, you ever have this problem? If you stand up, I need to talk to you. If you followed me on a volunteering mission trip, what did you do, Karina? How'd you help the missionary, Karina? In a quick few sentences, you know, we don't have all day. The calendar's going by. Taught Bible school. Kenny? I was a doctor. Oh, he was a doctor in synagogue. He was actually triaged, but he killed I mean, no, he helped. Corral the kids and manage youth. Karen? English as a second language. Kim? Work with youth. Uh, Natalie, I barely see you. Yeah, and, 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 and yeah, it's all right. We got you. What'd you do? Help K with the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And some of you went in more countries than just one. Construction work, definitely so. Anybody else in here? You know, Ernie back here, he wouldn't stand up. That is your name, isn't it, Mr. Bell? Ernie Bell? Okay. Daryl, I'm sorry, Daryl Bell. Blame that on my wife. No, that's my fault. I didn't even ask her. Daryl went to synagogue with me. Oh, Judy White first. Let's get you. What did you do? You bought the nativity set that my wife wanted. That's what you did. <laughs> that's right. And speaking the hokey pokey, when Kay and I left the African field, she taught English as a second language. And in church, they celebrated with us doing the hokey pokey. And you know that certain cultures have back. Boy, there's a lot of back doing the hokey pokey there in the church. But that was the way that they celebrated. But uh, Daryl went to synagogue with us. He was going to help with the Mexican. He was so nervous, excited. He had white knuckles the whole trip because he'd never flown before. He lost his billfold on the airplane, but praise the Lord, we found it. But then he started doing a great work, and then the Lord used him to go to Peru and do a great work there too. All of this was not boasting about me or anybody else, but it was a work of the Lord. Volunteers and missions are needed. Those missionaries needed us there to open the doors so they could go in with the gospel or take care of babies while they went and then was refreshed to continue their work on the dark mission fields. But there's a warning with this. Being a volunteer in mission is not a two-week vacation in an exotic land. It can carry some risk. What happened to Epaphroditus? He got sick. And he almost died. Volunteers and missions don't go over there for the self-glory of it all. They go because look at verse 30. They go for the work of Christ. They're not going on vacation. They're going to do the work of Christ and oftentimes the work of Christ will put a volunteer in mission in a dark, sometimes dangerous place. But I want to point out something else here. Notice who sent Ephroditus to Paul. 
Come on, who sent him? It's in the scriptures. Who sent Paul to our uh, Ephroditus to Paul? C-H-U-R-C-H. Who sent him? The church sent him. He didn't say, hey, guys, I want to go on my own. I want to be a long ranger. I want to be a maverick out here doing my thing. No. Paul had a need. The whole church couldn't go, but there was a man in the church who was able to go at that time and felt it upon his heart to go and help Paul, and the church sent him. Jesus works through the local New Testament church. The church should not only be sending messengers or sending volunteers in missions, they should also be commissioning that volunteer in mission for that work. If God has placed it upon your heart to be a volunteer in missions, to help someone, come and tell your pastor, man, the Lord has pressed on my heart to go help old so-and-so on that mission field. Sean will say, that's good. The church is going to send you, but the church is going to commission you to go to do that work too. That's biblical, is it not? There's no telling how many volunteers and missions, missionaries I have commissioned. It's part. And if you're a volunteer in missions going over there, don't go over there to do your own thing. Follow the lead of the missionary. I've seen too many volunteers in mission get there with their own agenda and they have destroyed or wrecked some work that the missionary has been working years and years and years to do. They have even gotten themselves in trouble and sometimes almost a deadly trouble because I'm going over there to do my thing. I'm going to show them how to do it. You don't live there. You don't know how to do it. That missionary does follow his lead. The church sends, the church commissions, the man on the field or the woman on the field directs within that commission. Well, in the eyes of a missionary, missionaries know that the mission, a mission-minded church will send some to help them in the work or in their needed times. Now here's what y'all been waiting for. The conclusion. Did I hear an amen? Amen, okay. I don't want your seat to get too numb. But what does a mission-minded church look like in the eyes of a missionary? It's a church that has an ongoing fellowship or partnership in the gospel. It is a church that has the missionary's back in prayer specific prayer. It is a church that has the missionaries back in financial support. It is a church that sends volunteers in missions to render needed help. In the eyes of a missionary, a mission-minded church is truly a great commission church. Is it not? 
Now, members of First Baptist Church of Valley Springs, it's made my joy to be here again. But will you, each of you in your own heart, covenant together to always be a mission-minded church? During this time of invitation, let it be your prayer that the Lord will continue to stir your heart that First Baptist Church of Valley Springs, that you'll not be a weak link in that, but you'll be supporting this church to be a mission-minded church. And as I said last week, I know that this has been a message directed to the church. But the Holy Spirit knows how to take any message and use that message to open eyes to the need of salvation, to open ears to the Father's call unto salvation, and to open hearts to receive the only way, the truth, and the life of salvation, Jesus Christ. And if that has been you today, Make public your decision to accept Jesus Christ. Okay, did we get what I asked for? From Billy, we have it? Oh, we don't have it. Okay, well, we won't use it since we don't have it. So, Brother Sean, would you come forward? I'll let them take their grudge out upon you instead of me if uh, they found something unpleasing here. But... Remember the call of this invitation. Yes, through it all, that could have been that call to salvation. But in it all, there's a call for each of you to join hands and hearts that First Baptist Church of Valley Springs will always be a mission-minded church. God bless you. Please stand.